Let's begin with a a brief word of prayer before we uh, start the sermon today. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the ability to to gather together as as a church, as a body, to sing praises to your name, to sing the truths revealed in your scriptures, and then to proclaim those truths through the reading of scripture. I pray, God, that every word we speak today would be glorifying to you, that we would hear from you today, hear from your Holy Spirit, and that you would lead and guide us in all that we do. We offer this time to you, O Lord, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the past few weeks we have been in the book of Hebrews, and for anybody who's been showing up every single week, you notice there's a a completely different new slide behind me, so you can tell we're going to do something different this week. Uh, We've been in the book of Hebrews, which has been a phenomenal deep dive into Scripture. We've dove into a lot of deep and rich theology and also life-changing theology. We've been looking at how Jesus is continually shown as being greater and superior and better than everyone and everything for all time. We have seen how Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant And we've been reading through the implications of that. And we've been reading through how we've been brought into this new covenant. And last week, we were looking at the things that we have in Christ that he has given us. And because of that, let us then do this. And we were seeing how that we have the confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lamb that was shed for us. That we could enter into the very presence of God. Because of his blood, we have the great high priest over the house of God. And because of that, we can draw near to him in full assurance of faith that he has forgiven us, reconciled us to himself and receives us. We're also encouraged to hold fast to the confession of our hope. And our hope is none other than Jesus Christ alone. And we were told to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And I wanted to continue in that scripture. I love finding a passage in the Bible or a book in the Bible, a section and continuing on and seeing the story that is presented to us in the scripture, because that's how God intended to share that with us. So that's my normal route is to go through and and walk through that scripture and let it tell us what it wants to tell us. But as I was thinking through this week, I, I wanted us to not only see what Christ has done for us, but what he has done to us. And I think this is very important for us to understand this, and it's, I think, a part of of Christianity in general that gets overlooked or forgotten. It gets kind of left behind. Not just what has Christ done for us, which we, we cannot express enough what Christ has done for us, but also we cannot express enough what Christ has done us, how he has changed us from the very core of our being. And if I were to say to you today, even as we saw on the screen, we're going to talk about a new creation. Some of us, when we hear the word new creation, what comes to mind is what John talks about in Revelation 21, when the new heaven and the new earth comes down from God and the old has passed away first earth and the first heaven has passed away and all that is is this new heaven and this new earth 
And that very much so is a part of the new creation. But it's not the only new creation. And when we look through the scriptures and talk about a a new creation, we might even think, well, I'll be new. And many of us think that that's going to happen one day. When we get to heaven, after we pass away or after Christ calls us up and we meet him in the sky, we think that one day we'll be made new. When we get to heaven and then we get to dress in the heavenly robes, maybe then we'll be made new. But that's not at all what the scripture teaches us. That's not at all what the scripture tells us. And so this week I felt led to to go to this passage and talk to you not only about what Christ has done for you, but what he has done to you. And I'm here to declare to you today that if you are a new believer, you or if you are already a believer, if you believe in Christ, you are already a new creation. From the inside out, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that the old you is dead and gone. And that the new you is alive right here, right now. We want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 11 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. You can open your Bible, you can power on your Bible, or you can look up on the screen. We try to make it easy for you to follow along. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. Now, we have to remember in this book right here, this letter, Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth. And if you've read the scriptures at all and you've read through the the letters to the Corinthians, you know the church in Corinth had a lot of issues, had a lot of problems. Paul was often writing churches to correct these things. And in this section, he is writing to help correct them on a few things. Because Christians, although we are born again, although we are made new, our thinking's not always new. We don't understand everything the moment we get saved. And boy, that would be nice. If the moment we believed in Jesus, we got saved, if we knew everything we needed to know about God. That would be wonderful, but that's not what happens. God takes us on this journey for the rest of our lives as we are the new creations. He is renewing and transforming our minds. As he has already given us a new heart and a new spirit, he then transforms our minds every day. Picking up in verse 11, it says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Paul talking about himself. He said, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this now this whole passage is full of good stuff so i'm just telling you you could probably highlight everything that's about to follow 
we have concluded this. The love of Christ compels us, controls us, pushes us, because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. You remember, Paul was not always a Christian. At one point, Paul was a persecutor of the church. At one point, he hated Jesus and his gospel. At one point, Paul regarded him only as a mere man pretending to be God. But no more. Verse 17. Listen to this. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Not will pass away. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You catch that. The old has passed away. The new has come. It did not say the old will pass away. The new will come. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. This is already a reality for believers. Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, believers, us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In verse 21, this is the, this is it right here. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus the Son. God made the Son to be sin who knew no sin. The innocent bore the guilt of the guilty. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to think on that last statement for just a moment. The righteousness of God in Christ. If you are a believer, I declare to you today that that is who you are. The righteousness of God in Christ. 
Now let's, let's back up and take a look at this. As, uh, again, as we are, uh, this, this passage is so full of so many good truths. I, I, we'd have to probably do at least four or five sermons to actually explore everything that Paul's talking about here. And we don't have time to do that today, so I'm going to focus in uh, on just the parts about the new creation, the new you, the changed you, and your identity in Christ, what Christ has done to you. So first and foremost, as as Paul is doing this, he's talking about his own identity and mission. When he talks about verse 11 there saying that he is known by God. And this doesn't mean that God knows facts about him. It doesn't mean that God knows of him. It doesn't mean that God has heard of Paul. What he is saying here is that God knows me. And that's true for each and every one of us who believes in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Is that God doesn't just know about you. He didn't just form you and knit you together in your mother's womb and then forget about you. He knows intimately every detail and thing about your life. And the blood of his son was given so that you could be reconciled to him and be in that perfect relationship together. He knows you, he loves you, and he is for you. You are known by God. The almighty creator of this universe knows your name, knows everything about you, and he loves you. Paul knew who he was. He knew what God had done to him. I already mentioned, and most of us already know this, he hated the gospel. He persecuted the Christians. He went out trying to get permission to bring the believers out of of Judea back to Jerusalem in chains. But when he met Christ Jesus, God changed everything about who he was. Yes, he was still Saul, Paul, his Jewish name and his Roman name. He still lived in that body, but he had a new heart and a new spirit like we've spoken of for several weeks now from Ezekiel. Everything about him had been changed from the inside. And it didn't matter what anybody thought about him. That wasn't his concern. His only concern was, I'll do anything, I'll say anything, I'll become anything so that some will hear the gospel and be transformed like I was. He said, if we're beside ourselves, it's for the sake of God. There's people who thought Paul was crazy. That's what it means when it says we're beside ourselves, that he had lost his mind. People who absolutely thought that about him. But he knew God. He knew what Christ had done for him. And he knew the change that had come. And he knew and understood the message he had been given. And that's true for every single one of us who's a believer. We have been changed. We have been given that message. And we too are known by God. It's not about outward appearance. It's not about credentials. It's not about accolades, achievements. I don't care what position you hold, what your title is. None of that matters. All that matters is that the blood of Jesus has been poured out for you. And that changes everything in here. And the Bible says that God doesn't look at the outward appearance of a man, but looks at the heart. Well, thank God he's given you a new heart. So when God looks at you, believer, he looks at the new heart that he gave you that's indwelt with his Holy Spirit. You know he's pleased with all that. 
And Paul says here, he's not out of his mind, he's not crazy. He is simply a man who is compelled by what? By the law, by rules, by regulations, by standards, by... No, the love of Christ. It, it's, it's translated control in, in this uh, in this English version, but it's, it's compelled, it's pressed, it's what motivated him, it's what drove him, it's what got him out of bed every single day to live the life that he lived in Christ was the love of Christ alive in him. And that same love of Christ is alive in each and every one of us that believe. Every single moment of every single day. And if you say, well, I don't always feel that way, Aaron. Okay. Let me ask you a question. I'm talking to people who do believe in Christ. How long is it when you're walking in any type of sin? How long does that happen before you start to feel guilty? You start doing something that you know is wrong, that you shouldn't do. You think like, oh, this is, I really want this. But then you start doing that and it makes you miserable. I'll tell you what makes you miserable is the fact that the Spirit of God is alive inside you and doesn't want anything to do with that sin. That's God alive in you. Telling you that you died to that sin. Quit touching it. Quit picking that up. You're not a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. You're a free child of God. That's the Holy Spirit alive in you telling you to get away from that. I don't always feel that, but that's what that is. Every time you find yourself going through those kind of motions, you know it doesn't bring you the joy and the satisfaction that you're searching for. Sin can't because you are dead to sin. Because you died with Christ, just as Paul said. This is what he says there in verse 14. He says, we have concluded this. This is why the love of Christ compels us. We have concluded this, that one died for all. That Christ Jesus died for us. And everybody who is a part of his body died with him. What does that mean? That means the old you. The old you that was a slave to sin. The old you that loved its sin. The old you that loved rebellion. The old you that was an enemy of God died on that cross as well. Jesus died to sin is what the Bible tells us. And when we died with him, we also died to sin. And our old, sick hearts died that day too. You've been given a new heart. That's what it means whenever it talks about you being made new, is that the person you were and then you believed, the person you are, are two different people. If you, have, if you are made, a person made up, you have a body, a mind, a heart, a spirit, right? You have all those things. You're given a new heart, so that one's changed out. You're given the Holy Spirit, that's been changed out. You still live in the same body. That's the one part I wish we could get here. It'd be nice to have that new body. I, I, I realize that. We'll get that one day. And your mind is being transformed. Paul tells us that every day. We are learning and growing in the knowledge and the grace of Christ. That part of us is being renewed. 
But those others have already been renewed. And if you look at the totality of a person, when all those things have been changed out and are new, you got a whole new person. You need to understand that you are a whole new person. Everything about you is different. You're not what you once were. You are a new creation in Christ. And that's not something you're waiting to become or hoping to achieve. It's a done deal because Jesus did that for you. Now, that's what it says. That one has died, therefore all have died. We share in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the you that lives now is a new you. That's why Paul says in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how are we in Christ? By faith. By belief. That's it. You enter into Christ by faith alone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's not me up here trying to make you feel good about yourself and be like, look how great you are. No, that's the scriptures declaring that to you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That's what God says about you. The old has passed away and the new has come. If you want to know about your identity, who you are and what's really deep down inside your heart, you need to look at the scriptures and it'll tell you exactly the truth that God has made true about you. And he says, all this is from God in verse 18. This is a gift. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He removed our debt, which is, we could never repay that in the first place. And that would be a miracle, and we would praise him forever if all he did was take away our debt, right? We, we would praise God, hallelujah, we don't have any debt against us. But not only did he remove our debt, then he started crediting our account eternally, infinitely, forever. There's credit in our account, credit and credit and credit and credit and credit. It's beyond our understanding, the grace and mercy of God. And not only that, he removed our debts. He gave us all this credit. Now he says, and now you're my ambassadors. (laughs) Let's think about this in earthly terms. If we had an earthly king and he was living in his kingdom and an enemy, an enemy messenger or, or soldier came up to his kingdom, the king says, come here. King says, you're no longer my enemy. I'm going to pay all your debts against me, and now you're going to be my ambassador. You're going to represent me to the whole world. That doesn't make sense to us. We we would never do that, right? If an enemy came to a king's gates, what would happen to him? Probably get cut down really real quick. But God says, "No, I'm I'm going to take you from being my enemy and make you one of my children, and then I'm going to make you my ambassador to go and represent me." what we were made for in the first place when God made man he made them in what his image we were made to represent God and through Christ Jesus we get to do that every single day 
You've become ambassadors for God. You have become those who are reconciled to him and given the message of reconciliation. You know the way God gets his gospel out to people? It's through people like you and me. The Bible says that literally God pleads his message through us. We are the mouthpiece for God here on this earth. We are his ambassadors. We are his heralds. We are his instruments to call people to know Christ. To be forgiven, reconciled, born again, and set free. And all of this has been given to us freely. And again, if it wasn't good enough, if, if you would just think like, man, God, he, he, he does way too much for us. It's too good. Every time you look at the gospel and how it affects you, it's like it just is better and better and better and better. And all this, we, we are already so thankful for. And then look at this. I'm going to tell you one that when you read it and think about the implications, you're almost like, oh, that almost kind of sounds a little blasphemous. Verse 21 that says, for our sake. Why would God do anything for our sake? Because of his love. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin. The only innocent man who's ever walked this planet. Who never knew sin. He made him to be sin. Why? that we would become the righteousness of God in him. You see, Christ Jesus is the righteousness of God. It is Christ's righteousness, not ours. It's Christ's holiness, not ours. It's Christ's everything, not us. Even Paul said that I have a righteousness not of my own through the law, but by faith in Christ. And it's funny, whenever... You read this verse, too, and people get tripped up on this because it says there in verse 21, you might see that word that says might. It says that we might become the righteousness. So some people say, see, you might become the righteousness of God. You might not. Well, the good thing is, is this wasn't written in English in the original. That word might does not exist. What it means, that right there, the reason we put that might in there is because this part of the sentence is dependent on the first part. So what it means is to become the righteousness of God in Christ. If he became sin for you. Then you became the righteousness of God in him. That's why Paul says anyone who is in Christ. And that's why he pleads with everybody to be reconciled to God. That they may become the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm here to declare to you today that if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then God himself calls you the righteousness of God in Christ. How could we not live accordingly? If that is who we are in our very being and that is who God declares us to be, that's not who God is pretending that we are. That's not who God is acting like we are. That is who God has made us in his all about him and it's all for him 
it's all from him. <laughs> it's all through him and to him. And uh, any other way, we can get it back to him. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Pray that our eyes are constantly on him. That's what changes everything in life. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. God, and we thank you as we have just read for all that your Son has done for us. We thank you that he changed us, God. We thank you that he took our old hearts of stone and gave us new hearts of flesh. That he gave us new hearts with new desires and new passions. Passions and desires and love after you and your heart, God. Everything in us that is good is from you. And it's for you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have taken our old spirit that was intimate with you and you have given us your spirit. And as believers, God, we are those who are called to walk by your spirit. We don't walk according to the flesh. We don't walk according to this world. We don't walk according to the things we see. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And I pray, Lord, that as those who walk by faith, that we would, that we would trust you as you lead us. That we would be willing to let go of what we want and what we say and what we think and what we... That we would be willing to follow you because all that you have is greater than anything that we could ever imagine or plan or conceive. And all this has been given to us so freely. We thank you, God. God, I pray that every person in this room, I pray that they know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray that you show them the new heart you have given them and you show them the work of your Holy Spirit in them. That you show them that you know them and love them. For their entire identity has been changed. They are new and alive and free in you. And I pray we know that. And I ask God if there's anyone here who does not, that today your Holy Spirit would move in them and they would know it's all a free gift. All they have to do is look to your son and call upon his name and he will give them everything. And he will change everything about them. He will take away their sin and give them all of his gifts and righteousness. And Lord, we ask you as as we wrap up our worship service today, that you would be with us. And lead us and guide us. We pray this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.